0: Go find a challenge and overcome it. And it's actually like that's how we've defined being dangerous as well. Um, you know, dangerous has been this big thing that I've tried to boil down into one sentence. And the one sentence is that to be dangerous is to have a certain pattern of thinking, feeling, and acting that empowers you to overcome it, the challenges that confront you. Mm. And to me, that is like, you know, we have challenges all around us in every aspect of our lives. And all you need to do is to go sit down for five minutes and make a list and you'll find plenty that you can go and like say well if i need to overcome this challenge who do i need to become what do i need to do which skills do i need to learn which mental models do i need to adapt what kind of an emotional state do i need to inhabit and once you have that you are well away on your journey to transformation
1: well look i think the thing is it's also important to measure small wins and more small successes so that you're not just waiting for the 10 or 20 20 kilos So um, I think that one kilo is a win. It's my journey towards transformation. It's my journey towards becoming a different version of myself. And so uh, yesterday, I did a really long cycle, the longest cycle I've ever done. But, you know, I was really at the back of the pack. But for me, it wasn't the win was I finished. The win was I finished without any cramps. So I also had to measure my transformation in a process of, okay, I'm patient in the process. I know what the end goal is, is to enter an Ironman. And so, yes, this is the beginning of the journey. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. I I agree with you, transformation are these big things. But I think a lot of the times what we usually do is we scold ourselves or we get upset that we haven't achieved this big, audacious goal quickly enough. And I think that's a problem with our society, this short-termism and not really putting effort into things for long term because we get bored or sidetracked or we think it should be perfect sooner than it is and that's the life of an entrepreneur right you mm. you think you've made it and you haven't and then you haven't and then you haven't and then you have and so yeah I think, I think it's important to measure it as well
0: when you look at the sort of academia of, of leadership there's many different styles and theories about leadership and one style of leadership is called transformational leadership mm. and you'd think that it's a very modern and new thing but it was actually coined in 1978.
1: Wow, so okay.
0: yeah, it's been around for a very, very long time. Mm. And you know, when I read initially, when I read the definition of transformational leadership, I was like, what? Like, so, let me quickly read it to you. So transformational leadership is a style which involves working alongside team members in order to identify the need for change, create an inspiring and motivational vision, and to execute necessary steps required for change in tandem with team members.
1: No, I get that. I think there's operational uh, implementation of strategy. And then there's the overarching strategy. So you're building the transformational uh, strategy, but then you need somebody to actually get down and and transform the business itself Mm. through transactional leadership. Mm. So yeah, that, that makes sense. I like that.
0: If you want to be intentional, what does it mean? It means that before you do anything else, you have to start planning what your day is going to look like? What is your mindset going to be? What are your behaviors going to be? What does your habits look like? And to your point, like what is it that you are actually ultimately working towards?
1: Well, I think it's just about the clarity of where we're going. And, Mm. you know, the intentionality is like, who do I want to be? What does it look like? And how do I actually work backwards? And I think it's a great topic because I've been speaking to a lot about my, to my clients around strategy. And often what we think of as strategy is moving from A to Z. And moving from here to there. And I I actually want to challenge that idea of strategy and say, well, let's actually try and work from Z to A and from there to here so that we can work backwards in our process of creating rituals, habits and behaviors to be in line with the intention. And I Mm -hmm. think that most people don't have clarity of that intention. And I think you and I speak a lot about that clarity just in our own private conversations. But I think that anybody that has created anything remarkable in the world has first imagined it and then created the habits and behaviors to want to fulfill it. And so I think it's a great topic to talk about. And I think what
0: modern leaders need to be really good at moving forward is context switching, right? And like, so what does that mean? It means that you are operating between all these different contexts as a, as a modern leader. You are leading a team virtually, but you're also leading a team in real life. So there's a, there's this hybrid, um, team that you have to lead. You have the context when you're working from home of being in work mode versus chilling, right? You have the context of working one-on-one versus working to a team or group and then to the organization. So it's context switching all the time. So what does intentionality look like? For you, if you, once you know that, once you have that awareness, how do you become more intentional? Well, you have to go sit down and actually write out what the different contexts are and then go and fill in what are the behaviors that you would want to see in those different contexts. Like that is what intentionality looks like.
1: Okay. So what you're talking about is in the different sectors of your context, you need to have different behaviors yes and so you're saying in that sector that should be my behavior and that's what i'm going to intend so i remember last week or the week before you were talking about last the week before you were talking about transactional transformational leadership so you're saying that when i'm transactional in this space this is my intention of behavior when i'm transformational in my space this is my intention of behavior so Spot do you mm. think that we can create intentions both emotionally and physically or mm. they just one Yeah, I
0: think it's across the spectrum. Like the best thing to do actually is to think, well, so this ties back to being dangerous. Like being dangerous is all about the three aspects of thinking, feeling, and acting. So what you actually need to do, like if you want to really go deep, and I don't think most people will do this, but if you really wanted to go deep, you would say, what does thinking, feeling, and acting look like when I'm a transactional leader versus what does it look like when I'm a transformational leader? What does it look like when I'm leading from home versus when I'm leading in the office?
1: The very first thing that all businesses need to work on much more for me is the mindset of the ability to become successful in the future and the fact that they have the power to make it so. That is kind of the idea of success, right? The future will be better and I've got the power to make it so. So the first one is mindset and I think many businesses get caught up in operations. And you focus on operations and you're just trying to put fires out, making sure customers, we forget about mindsets, And I think to spend half an hour a day every morning to speak about mindsets, well, oh, what a powerful thing, man. I've been doing it with my teams and just been loving the process.
0: You know, I love it. And what it immediately made me think about is whenever you are selling anything to the world, um, it, it starts with your belief. And like you always see salespeople who struggle, it's because they don't believe in what they are selling. You know and so like this makes total sense to me because you are selling yourself to the world you are selling your product to the world so it starts with that intrinsic belief absolutely and obviously if if leadership doesn't believe in where they are going people are going to see that a mile away and it's just going to breed distrust people are going to like they're not going to give their all because there's no commitment to where we are going so absolutely I i think that's really
1: good um Okay. And so that's the first thing, obviously. Now, the second thing is marketing and leads. Now, the thing is with every business, what you need more of is sales, is marketing and leads. So sales are second or next, you know, but really how are you marketing your business and where are your leads coming from? Now, in this new world, the idea of leads For me, must come from a process of thought leadership, of adding value to the world, of building trust with the world. The best way you can market yourself is by building trust. Elon Musk is a fantastic example. They quite famously don't spend one cent on marketing, but they're worth seven hundred billion dollars, and they're not really worth. But that's based on sentiment of what people believe in, what he's capable of doing. And the trust that is developed. So, for me, for example, uh, leads come from me putting out extensive amounts of content into the world um, and allowing CEOs, um, eventing company owners, or marketing people or HR people inside organizations to build trust with me in my ability to market by adding value and in that way creating more leads. So, I've got a whole system of uh, it's called the 411 which means you add four pieces of content that are adding value. One is a soft sale and one is a hard sell.
0: I just feel like pops up in my coaching sessions almost all the time is around morning routines, you know, and I think partly why it pops up is because that is like the one part of your day that you have quite a bit of control over. And so to make sure that you nail your morning routine can really have a profound impact on the rest of your day. But, I have a bit of a gripe with how most people speak about morning routines because i feel for most of it what actually happens is that we just copy and paste the routines of others and if you go onto um onto youtube or if you go and google you know morning routines you'll find all of these lists like the morning routines of successful leaders successful people um of artists you know and it'll take you through this entire checklist of things to do and I just think like it's it's a horrible way of approaching a morning routine. Like it's a bit of time to be very intentional. And so I thought today what we could do is we could talk about, well, I'd love to know what your morning routine looks like at the moment and how that's perhaps evolved over time because that's what we need to apply to a morning routine is nuance. And I have an idea or two around it um, as I'm sure that you do, but what does your morning routine look like at the, in the moment?
1: You know, I love what you said there because I think that what we must realize is that we are not the same as anybody else and Mm. trying to copy somebody else's. And this came up actually in that talk that we did. Somebody from the audience said, you know, but that's not the way I do my morning. And I'm most probably a nocturnal person. It takes me a while to wake up in the morning and my routine is different. And Mm. I think that's also important to take into account is that everybody is different. And some people need to give themselves more Um, sort of structure and some people need to take away some structure and I am the latter Mm. I have so much uh, ritual and so much habit forming ideas I have to almost sometimes just say to myself it's okay not to wake up at five this morning sleep in Mm. other people need to say dude get out of bed you know you need to actually get out of bed and I think it's most people suffer from the need for motivation Um, I have a need for relaxation Mm. And that is just the way my my sort of morning routine goes. But but look, my morning routine consists of three things. And it's always three things. And I think that's what's important that we need to, for me, what's important to highlight. However you break your routine down, you have to touch on the three aspects of who you are. The first aspect is emotional. And I think that... We all know that your emotional fitness, your emotional focus, your emotional trauma, whatever it is that you wake up with in the morning has a dramatic effect on the rest of your day. And so that that's really important. And, I, and I'll unpack that a little bit just now. The second one is mental. I use journaling to try and figure out my mental state, where I'm at, write about the things that bothered me and I appreciated from the day before, things that I'm intending for the day ahead. And then physical. So I'm emotionally meditating, mentally preparing, and physically moving in order to be able to get the best out of myself. You need to
0: think of the night before, because also, Mm. why do you wanna have a good morning routine? Because you wanna have a good afternoon and morning going into that, right? So like Mm. everything is a setup for the next thing and therefore you need to make sure that you're always thinking about what that next step is gonna be in the design of all of these things, rituals, habits, routines that you are creating.
1: So Family Constellations is this incredible modality that helps you understand the dynamics inside your family. It could be used for friendships and organizational leadership, but this is really focused on family. And so what you have is about six to 10 people in a room sitting on chairs and you have a facilitator and then you have the person being constellated. And you go and sit there and you explain to the facilitator what it is that you want to work through within your family. You've got low self-esteem or your dad used to tell you ugly or I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. And then what happens is you go through the room and you ask people to come and stand in the middle and you ask each specific person. Can you be my dad? Can you be my mom? Can you be me? Can you be? And so they position the family in the middle and then people, you give it two, three minutes and then people start taking on the personas, the personalities, the issues that these people in your family have in the most incredibly distinct and, and, and unreal ways. For example, one of the guys that was at the Family Constellation on the weekend, he, he, he was lonely when he was a child. His dad had been at war. So there was a, there was a lot going on there that he, was, he felt he'd been abandoned. And he was playing. The guy he chose to play him was playing in the sand in the middle of this room that we were, that we were in. It was, a, it was an outdoor room, so there was sand. And he started. This little kid was a four-year-old version of him, and started playing space bases and started building space bases and explaining that he's building these space bases. And the guy started crying. And 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 afterwards, he explained that when he was a kid, in four years old, he was building space space a uh, space bases in the sandpit behind his house all by himself for hours on end and so the specificity of those things are really amazing so when you do see your life and your 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 family from an objective point of view you really have incredible insights most probably a lot of sobbing and just a lot of release. Mm. So I've been doing that quite a lot as well. I've done two sessions already about my ancestors and lineage and also about my relationship with my family. So that's been really phenomenal and just shifting the energy around ancestor and lineage work and just just making yourself more seamless and more empathetic to your family members and releasing some cycles. Mm.
0: When the pandemic hit and everyone started working remotely, we all of a sudden thought this is gonna be the future. And everyone was like, "This is the only way we are going to exist moving forward," <laughs> and and now we're seeing, hmm, perhaps not. And it's quite interesting. So um, Amazon was saying that they're going to be a, a, a office office centric culture. And I just wanted to read like this last part to you that I thought was quite interesting. They said that um, the office is the best bet for the future of work can you believe that can you believe that sentence the office is the best bet for the future of work it's good for people our engagement our inspiration our social networks and our learning and it's also best for companies who want to excel perform and deliver shareholder value and community value
1: Think about education, for example. It's really terrible sitting at home being educated by yourself. It really sucks. You know, it's not a great thing. And so, yes, there's some freedom to it, but also there's a lot of loneliness to it. And if you think about restaurants, not going out and being with people, but then having food delivered, yes, there's convenience to it, but there isn't any like you know collaboration with other people so I think we're at the beginnings of this dispersion we're enjoying the fact that we're wearing tracksuit pants but we're missing people so Mm. we have to let this play out still and I think the great return is just the great return for now you know I use this example Eric and this will be the last thing I say about this is You know, when you're on the highway and somebody zooms past you at 200 kilometers an hour, you think to yourself, this person is a crazy person. What are they doing? They're a danger to the world. And somebody's going 60 kilometers on the highway. And you say, this person shouldn't be on the highway. They're a danger to the highway. Guess who's going the perfect speed? Yeah, of course. Just nobody else is going (laughs) the perfect speed, just you. And it's funny because, as cultural, if you think about the older people that are living in the world right now, they complain about the younger people. Mm. They like this, they like that. They don't do this, they don't do. What was your world perfect? And then the younger people are complaining about the older people, and then the older people are saying that the people older than them were just too slow, and these new people are just too fast. Mm. But ultimately, mm. it's you know your, your porridge was only right for the temperature in which you lived in. Mm. The world that we're moving into requires a different temperature. Yeah. a different speed a different approach so yes the 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 goldilocks effect that my porridge is the right temperature and no other porridge should actually come into it impacts all of us and, and i think we need to become aware of that context mm.
0: like you have to bring it to your yes. awareness over and over again you have to find activities that are outside of what you usually do to go and explore this world, yes. um because it provides you with a lens or a filter to, to go and seek out things to do Coaches to, to, to work with Experiences to go and find um, So I always love that about you That you are very active in pursuing that word um, It's quite interesting that you know The whole idea around how to be dangerous Has quite a big tie into The hero's journey as well In that every hero yes. When they have to overcome the threat Has to become a threat to the threat They have to become a danger to the yes. danger So it's, it's quite nice to see this little tie in
1: the emotions that we have, the emotions that we have around money create the motion of money around us or the lack of. And I've learned this through years and years of coaching and years and years of workshops and my own level of masterclasses that I've done and books that I've read. And so I've I've kind of curated all of it to have two clear sessions, two clear sections. The section one is about the changing idea of work of employment and of entrepreneurship and understanding how that's evolving. And then the second thing is about the emotional frequency and intentionality around money. And so you have to have both in your in your sort of scope of understanding because you've also got to realize that you can't always look for safety and then hope that you're gonna have a dramatic impact on the world and then that world's gonna gift you back with abundance and, and 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 money or whatever the case may be. Whenever
0: we are trying to improve anything in life, it's always going to come with pain, whether that's going to be psychological pain or physical pain, there's Mm, always going to be an mm. element of pain. And ultimately, I think what we have to choose is our pain. You know, Mm. you have to choose Mm. what kind of pain are you willing to endure? And perhaps to a large extent, the success that you then achieve is in proportion to the amount of pain that you're willing to endure
1: just jumping onto the training program to commit yourself to an Ironman already in itself is you are saying, I don't know anything. I'm about to go through a lot of sweating and angst uh, to get to this final goal. And again, it was the podcast episode we did about our word for the year. and Committing to that word of reinvention gets you to realize that there's many things in your life that you have to reinvent, which means you have to start with the beginner's mind. And Again, you know, it's so important to just contextualize your actions. Mm -hmm. It's like I am applying myself and my mind and my energy to this. What am I expecting along the way? X, Y, and Z. In other words, pain, beginner's mind, having actually knowing nobody in the group. That's also another thing. Because socially, you're the brand new guy and everybody's been there for a bit and now you've got to become friends and build camaraderie and you're the unfittest out of the group and mm. so there's so many layers to it but because i've made that commitment and because i wanted to reinvent my and my fitness levels that became quite obvious because i expected it and i worked around it and so beginner's mind and, and and the ability to make a commitment to suck at something for a period of time until you become good at it is is really an important process you know especially as we're going through this transition and transformation as we are as humanity and I think it's important for us to pause and understand what we want to be able to stretch and recalibrate in our lives and then how much effort and energy and contextualization to that process do we give ourselves? So yeah, it's, 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 it's a mind game more than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, and your body follows once you've made that commitment, you know, and your, your body follows. And Dr. Joe Dispenza always says, you know, your body becomes your mind. Your, mi- your body often tells your mind what to do. And you realize that this is an animal that you have with you from birth who needs to be your servant, not the other way around. And so we often prioritize our body's needs over the what we need to achieve and to break through those processes. And you don't even realize that your body is your mind because you're making these impulsive decisions to tap out because your body's like, nah, I don't feel like doing this. But mm. you're able to now manage that mental state around it, you know. So I'm obviously not saying go to extremes where you're killing yourself. Uh, and some athletes absolutely do that. But I think there's, there's, there's places to, to do it in a successful and in a proactive, uh, pragmatic way rather than being so extreme, you know.